Hello there, Cindy Joe here and welcome to the third show of Creativity Inside and Out. And I guess since we're on the third show, that means we're official, right? And uh, the last show, the second show, we had Marianne Huds as a guest on the show and uh, she talked about her baking and her bakery business called Red Carpet Cookies and uh, I so enjoyed, I hope you did too, watching her decorate that 18 inch two layer cake. That was amazing. I don't know if I'm going to try that at home. We'll see how that goes. This show, our guest is Curtis Fornadley, who is a very accomplished guitarist. And we're going to talk to him about his career and his life. He's going to show us some guitars and then he's going to play some music for us. So here we go. Hello. So here we are. We're here with Curtis and uh, welcome to Creativity Inside and Out. Uh, thanks for having me here. You betcha, you betcha. One of the things we talk about on every show is um, with a guest is how we initially met. And I don't know if you remember, I'm not totally sure. I, well, it was through a mutual friend, I think, yeah, that I, ca I can't remember, it's been years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so what, what is your recollection? That we really got to know each other at the NAMM show. Oh, maybe. A few years back. The NAMM show is a big music convention in Anaheim, California every year um, with tons of vendors. and. It, well, I guess my recollection too is that we had probably met years earlier and then there was a gap of time and then you meet again. Yeah, kind of a big like gap that, of time, yeah, like yeah. 10 years or more, yeah, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. It and happens, we met, right? So we met through the music scene, we met through um, the mutual friend. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so we've known each other a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> right. So let's talk about, first of all, let's go back, and we don't want to dwell on this a lot, but um, it's part of who you are. So let's talk about your childhood, where you were raised, siblings, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm uh, a native Californian, Southern California. That's a rare one. It is. I know so many people, especially in the music business, that are like from somewhere else, mm -hmm. you know, um, and uh, born in Glendale, California and raised there and uh, and didn't really move anywhere else, just stayed in California pretty much. Uh, and, uh, and an only child. Oh, so, okay. yeah, no, no brothers or sisters. Okay. So. All right. So the guitar became your friend. Yeah. So I think, you know, early on, uh, uh, you know, I think all parents want their kids to try to find something that they can be good at, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was never an athlete. Mm. You know, and, and which is the classic one, but, right. you know, is sports. Yeah. Um, and so in a 10 or 11, uh, there was, you know, an old acoustic guitar that was lying around the house. And I showed, you know, some marginal interest in it and went to uh, some, like, group lessons, like at the YMCA or something. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, those are fun. I've done those. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? And I hated it because they were like, there was this teacher... Uh, you know, te you know, teaching. You know, it was some young kids and some, you know, maybe young adults and stuff, okay. and learning like these silly folk songs. You okay. know, well, to teach. You know, right here, you want to learn a D chord or whatever. <laughs> right. And and this like, you know. You know, I, I was ten or eleven. and wasn't into that, uh, and so that didn't go anywhere. Uh, and then uh, my mom looked into. Uh, private lessons at a local music store. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate to, to uh, get a really great teacher. And, and, you know, and he, you know, he broke it down into real simple 
pieces and learning to read sheet music because he was classical. So I was kind of my first uh, instruction was all classical, mm -hmm. and you know, and uh, you know, and I think you know, I recognized that you know when you have a good teacher in anything, they, okay, I listen to him and I follow what he said, and I was making progress mm -hmm. on stuff, and then you know. You know, playing classical stuff, and then at one point when I brought in, uh, you know, uh, God of Thunder from Kiss and said, I want to learn this, it was like, well, maybe I should get a different teacher. <laughs> you know. That wasn't his uh, Yeah, it wasn't his, his thing, but, you know, yeah. I probably said, took lessons from him for at least two or three years and really, really learned. So your foundation was... You know, fortunately, I got to, to find that teacher, you know. Yeah. I think that's important in probably a lot of things is having, having that good teacher. And, um, you know, and now with young people coming up, you know, all the answers are on the internet, Supposedly. right? Supposedly, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, if you want to learn to do something, you go search it and find a YouTube video or whatever. And so that, you know, and that can be the case for someone that's, that's learning, but having a, a mentor or a coach that can, can correct you and see what you're doing and hear immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. Uh, is important and, uh, and and maybe not as appreciated by a, a younger generation on that. Because um, of YouTube? Yeah, because yeah. I, I can just do this and figure it out myself. Yeah. You know, and well, maybe you should, you know, change, you know, your approach on this or, you know, um, not that it's not possible. You can still do private lessons that are remote and, you know, send, I mean, that, and there's people that do that. You know, mm -hmm. they teach you, send in, oh, you know, a tape of, of your stuff and they'll critique it. But, but also the ritual of you have a weekly lesson, which I don't even know if that is a thing now, right? Where, you have to practice. Right, you know, and it, well, it could be any instrument, right? I mean, the kids yeah. go through this, you, you go to your piano lesson yeah, or whatever, yeah. and you go and, and, uh, and do your thing there, and you know, mom drops you off, and, and then there's <laughs> recitals, and you know, and oh, you know, you know? On piano, yeah. but so I don't know if that's the, uh, that's the thing, you know. With my own kids, uh, who are athletes, ironically, not, really musicians, but I, I made sure that, that I was their teacher starting young, that they could at least have some level of playing. Mm -hmm. Even though they fought me on it at the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, now they both, I don't bug them on it now, you know, they're uh, again, teenagers and whatever, they make, you know, their own path on it, but they both can sure. play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I had that kind of ritual with them, yeah. you know, uh, that we, we, we learned on it. Yeah. Did you find it was an acoustic nylon string that you first started learning on at 11? Before I was born, my parents went to, to Tijuana, uh, yeah, which is part of Mexico. People like that. You know, and, and, uh, and so TJ so was known, and, and the Californians will go down there for a weekend or whatever, and they bought, and they bought this guitar, just cheap guitar. <laughs> uh, and it sat around the house. They never learned to play again when I was born. That was the guitar that was laying around the house. Mm. And, uh, you know, since it was made from wood that wasn't completely dried, it, it cracked, and you'll see the oh cracks and stuff. And the action was like this far. But, you know, but <laughs> it was, but it, it strings, yeah, the strings part. off of the fretboard, it's, which is, uh, you know, so for anybody that plays, like if you're learning bar chords, which are hard on any guitar, imagine they trying to do hard. that, yeah. to do that on uh, uh, this guitar. But, um, so I brought that this this old beat up thing, and you know, and he actually, you know, again, again, he's 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 got like a four thousand dollar Ramirez or something, you know. I mean, it, and he said, you know, actually, the tone of this guitar is good. It's better than some like you know cheap, really? 
you know, overseas guitars and, and you went, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't. I'm like, oh, no, I want electric guitar, whatever. <laughs> so that was the guitar that, that I learned on. Yeah, ni nylon. Uh, um, and, you know, ironically, I've never uh, bought a, a nice classical guitar, I, you know. You uh, no. Oh. I have a, you know. No. I have a cheaper one that I use for recording stuff, mm -hmm. you know, when it, it but I'm not, I'm, I don't consider myself a classical guitar player. Right. And to really, to really get first class classical guitar is yeah. real expensive. You know, and I'm wondering too, because I about the same age, I was fairly accomplished on piano at that point. I started at three on piano. Wow, that's early. But yeah. um, and I told my parents I wanted to learn guitar, and they bought me a Yamaha nylon string acoustic. But I had little, I still have small hands, and I had little tiny hands, and I thought I was just like lame. I was like, how come I can't get these chords? You know, I thought, God, how come I can't do this? But it was a wide, wide fretboard, you know? Yeah, classical, the, the width of, the, of, of a, the fretboard on the classical is actually, uh, and it's in the string spacing is bigger too. Yeah, I threw them so, in Well, yeah, or you needed a three-quarter size. Right. right, yeah, exactly. So then after you did the private lessons, are you, self-taught from that? Did you get the basics and then run with it yourself or did you continue to study? So I, uh, I uh, you know, after, uh, you know, I decided, uh, you know, that I had kind of outgrown that or my interests were going elsewhere, uh, you know, he recommended me to another teacher. Uh, and then, uh, who was pretty good, and then, uh, you know, I learned some things. Yeah, at that point, then I did get a, 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 like a Les Paul copy electric guitar. I had an electric guitar, and that became, my, you know, I mean, again, you know, memories blur, you know. I'm, I'm <laughs> consolidating a lot of stuff, and maybe there's something out of order. So I had the, okay. yeah, you know, it was all at the same, it was all at the same music store. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I went through one or two, and then the, uh, then the then another guy. He was uh, more of a jazz guy, and so I started learning this jazz stuff and some of these jazz chords. And and I, you know, I've had a lifelong, uh, you know, um, thing on learning jazz, and I've incorporated that as kind of a stream of what I do in my music, you know. But again, I'm not I'm not a classical jazz player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not my main thing, but I love putting in those mm -hmm. elements and those are huge influences on me. But I had, but at that age as a teenager learning some of this stuff, I, a lot, I was learning it in, in a me very mechanical way and playing it, but didn't internalize a lot of that because you really, jazz, you have to really have to develop your ear. You know, it's a, it's a whole Jazz is something that it's, still it's, kind of eludes me, you know? Yeah, and, and I don't even want to say it's an acquired taste. It's almost like the, there's a certain amount of, 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 of evolving your ear, I guess, and listening. I mean, it, you know, about to really become a, a, a lover of jazz or a player of it, the first thing, you've got to be listening into a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah it, uh, through the evolution and to see the evolution of it, you oh, know, yeah. right? True. I remember, uh, uh, you know, even in college taking a course and, uh, you know, yeah, evolution of, of jazz. It's pretty fascinating, actually, mm -hmm. you know, the, the you know, because jazz is, you know, really the, the marriage of, of uh, you know, what we had with uh, the, um, the slaves and their, you know, the music of the blues and, and their and merging with Western classical music. You know, I mean, that's the origins of it. Oh uh, and so, and you know, to see how it evolved uh, there, you know, the rhythmic aspects of it. So it's really that bringing together of, of Africa and, and, and uh, you, you know, Northern Europe. Mm -hmm. 
and and since then it's just you know and it's based heavily on, on improvisation right oh, which is yeah. a, which is a big thing for me you know? yeah sometimes when i hear songs in jazz i'm i'm like i don't even recognize the song the melody of the song yeah kind of gets lost which they call the head so that, really? yeah so the the main the main you know so like uh like a uh, like one that uh it's called a standard it's like like someday my prince will come right uh -huh. which is a disney song right yeah. you know you can I hear the song, song right but it, there's some brilliant jazz versions of it in fact i'd rather really? listen to the jazz versions of it you know where they play the head the melody and then they go off and they do their improvs on that you know really? so it, it yeah jazz. and so i think um uh but yeah it's not for everybody right you know uh uh, yeah. yeah uh, but uh, where was I going with this? So I <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I, uh, the, I, oh, I had the teacher yeah. that was showing this stuff, and so I, again, I was learning some of those things, and then went back to you know really being interested in the rock mm -hmm. side of it. And so this one, that one of the teachers says, "I hear I'm going to give you the name of this guy and his number, and he's he's really he's, he's the guy you should go take nice. uh, lessons from." And I was maybe. 15 or something like that, uh, a guy named Terry Kilgore, who, who actually uh, uh, was a contemporary and grew up with Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth and all that in the Pasadena crew. So he was just like a monster, still is a monster guitar player. Uh -huh. But to, at the age of 15, to be able to learn directly from somebody like that oh, wow. took me from like here to here. I and mean, it was like a whole, yeah, it was just like, yeah, that, so I probably took lessons from him for two years or something like that. And that was like huge. And then uh, I had another jazz player uh, that I, I studied with, Jimmy Weibel, for a little bit. Uh, and then it, so all the while, I'm still, you, you know, you learn to teach yourself, mm. ultimately. That's, that, that's the thing, is you want to learn enough that you can do that. And all through that, I was. You know, I mean, even before I had landed some of these later teachers, I was writing songs. I started writing songs early on. You know, they weren't hit songs, and they weren't, but I was learning about yeah. that. I think. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have one of my earliest memories of writing a song was even uh, before even learning to play uh, uh, guitar. Uh, we had music class, which was like once a week, right, in grade uh -huh. school or something. Yeah. And they were they were showing, you know, the values of like, here's a quarter note and a half mm -hmm. note and stuff. And, and I remember coming home and saying, I'm going to write a song. Uh -huh. I you know, and so, you know, I, you know, made sheet music and was, you know. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, it, but, so there was this early interest in it. It's kind of interesting that I just had that memory again of that. But Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to tell you, when I was three years old, learning piano, uh, my grandma was a, a concert pianist, and she taught me. But I don't remember this, but they told me this later. <clears throat> Excuse me. The staff was a fence, and the notes were rabbits. So you had Mr. F, Rabbit F, and Rabbit G, you know. And that's how I learned, apparently, was they taught me with rabbits on a fence. And I wish I knew how they did that, because that might be a, gr a great course for young kids. Right, yeah, yeah to, he to put it in their own kind of language where they can... Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Huh. Yeah. At this point in your career, how many albums and how many singles, or CDs, I guess I should say, <laughs> have you released? So a as an artist, I've uh, just released my sixth. That's a lot. Yeah, and so through... Through the change of, you know, medium of how, right, you know, when I first started, uh, you know, uh, listening to music, right, it was on, you know, LPs and uh, eventually CDs. Uh, and now uh, through the digital revolution, uh, you know, I, I have also released s singles. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still, I still like the whole concept of, of an album. 
And so like my most recent, I had uh, the, uh, several of the tracks were released as singles and then released, you know, gathered them together as an album with some other material as kind of like a body of work or like a milestone of like, here's the... Yeah, so this is it here, uh, yeah, A Half Step Away, which uh, is a musical reference for those who don't know. So uh, uh, kind of like the rabbits on the fence is uh, you, uh, the, the distance, the closest distance between two notes is, a, is called a half step, half step. Right, half step, right? And so on a guitar, between one fret, like I have on the back here, you see between one fret and another, uh, uh, is that half step? Oh, so you did the frets with the railroad right, track, right? Ah. But the other, but the other kind of joke or reference is that, and and this is in in maybe even a jazz thing is that if you're out of tune, you're always a half step away. <laughs> so if you hit the wrong note, go one way or the other, and you'll be fine. That's not easy to do, though, is it? Well, yeah, right, right, yeah, well. I mean, if you're if you're improvising and you hear and it and it, it's just kind of back back to the jazz and improv if you're just a little off, maybe just bend it up or you know or slide down. One, yeah, so you're always a half step. I meant away. to do that, really. Now, if you're singing a known melody, mm. may that may that no, that may not be. Well, you that. can just say you're yeah. being bluesy, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. So, anyways, the. the um, but uh, and then I did uh, a release independent uh, record with a, a band uh, before I did my own solo thing. So, yeah. when did you decide to go solo along the way? I think when the, when the last band I was in uh, had, had broken up, uh, you know, and you know that band was very close to getting a real, you know, the, the golden rank, uh, Lunatic Fringe, okay. and you know, getting the record deal and all that. Yeah, you know, then, uh, you know, I had a period of reflection, like, what do I want to do now? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, do I want to try to, you know, create a band? Uh, and what kind of band? Whiskey, a go -go, or wherever, you know. But ban bands, uh, and I'm wondering too, you know, if it also depends on your, on your age. Like, so you're, let's say you're, 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 this, you're a teenager and you, you got your buddies from school and you have a band. There's a certain camaraderie, camaraderie around, uh, you know, this unit of the band, and it's a relationship, right? And you have the time to commit to the, and people are making commitment because they have this dream of what they're going to do with you're it. Sharing your dream and you're sharing, it's a yeah. shared dream, absolutely. And so you're going through that, and and you're pushing through and doing that. Um, but even through that, and as you evolve in your 20s, that dynamic is very difficult. And there's so many it's different like things that come. It is. It's it, yeah. It's you know. It's it's like it, five it's, guys it's, 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 yeah. Or or, or, yeah. Or five or four. Well, I say uh, with the things is bands are a lot like marriage, except there's no uh, sex sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, look at Fleetwood Mac. Right. I mean, oh, uh, there was two, he mentioned being Mick Fleetwood. There's two married couples in Mick Fleetwood <laughs> yeah. for a period of time. Right. Yeah. And then they had divorces. I know, and the band was still together. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, and there's no band that was harmonious. I mean, even look at a duet uh, like um, uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Like oh, yeah. two guys couldn't get along. Captain and Tennille. They got divorced, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really follow them, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I the Carpenters uh, 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 did well, the brother and sister. Oh, they did, yeah. But that was brother and sister. Exactly. So <laughs> they, they, they had a different... So anyways, the dynamic there is... And so I, 
I, I, I guess I made a conscious decision that I want to uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, be accountable to myself and not have to worry about, you know, a band situation. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, I've had brilliant players I've, that, that have been in my band that I've worked with, right. but they've, they've changed over the years. You know, and it's um, you are the focal point, right? So I'm writing all the music. I'm taking all the risk. I'm paying for all That's of it, true. right? I mean, you know, and and so it's a lot more work for that to to do it. Um, so, at least from an art artist side, you know, I, I, you know, you know, everyone is in a situation nowadays of doing multiple things, right? And so I, you know, I've I've done studio work and played on other artists' stuff, and and you know, and. Uh, uh, where where I'm not necessarily the focal point, but but for the stuff that I that when I write that I'm doing, uh, then then I don't have to to necessarily have that stress, you know, you know. That said, so I you know I I'm the you know it's it's my band, it's my material, you know. The I've been blessed the last ten years or so, you know, having uh, you know a bass player and drummer that have been solid, great people that yeah. I've worked with, yeah. you know, and. Uh, you know, uh, when we play, you know, we're we're splitting everything evenly and everything. But, but they, it, but it's a different di band dynamic in the sense of of you know, um, you know, uh, we're going to go shop the labels or whatever. I think that was the other thing too. Is the time at the time I was doing it, it was really that that movement of of being independent and doing it was really taking off, mm. right? Because when I first started, uh, unless you got the you know the holy grail of a record contract you couldn't make and release a record you couldn't you couldn't you absolutely it couldn't it was too expensive it was, yeah it was i mean you know i remember marketing you needed you know that aspect of it all all that in in the world changed with the the internet and and the uh the um you know the personal computer and the power of uh the, the, that we have uh, you know these tool sets that for doing things. Uh, you know, and it and it's just increased more and more and more. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but now you do have to be a one-man show in yeah, that you is. do all your marketing, all, all your yeah. uploading of videos, and all that kind of stuff. You it's, know, selling your product. You have merchandise too, as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's a lot of plates in the air, and and uh, you know. And so it's you know trying not to get overwhelmed with it and try to just you know right. do, do do what you can do yeah. on it and and uh, so um, yeah that's so that's kind of the long story of how <laughs> I ended up doing six records <laughs> and more to come yeah right no. <laughs> do you play any other instruments well I th I play bass and a little bit of keyboards okay. but my keyboard skills I would never perform live with it it's more mm. in a you know in a studio and situation and I sing yeah oh, nice. yeah so yeah. Um, yeah now you've done um, some videos uh, for some of your songs yes you know how do you go about that do you have them produced by other people or um, well recently so uh, my uh, drummer Rob is also very good at uh, video editing mm. and then you know as like a hobbyist kind of thing and uh, and so he kind of relies on me to come up with concepts for certain things and gather some footage and we go back and forth and uh, you know uh, put something together. I don't do videos for for every song, mm. um, but it's a it's another creative outlet. I mean, you know, I think that's the thing that people who are creative can be creative in different ways. You know, just like all the album covers are all my concepts. 
you know, like like this nice. this one here. I don't know uh, if it translates or not, but with what I was going for is that classic shot of James Dean going down Forty uh, Eighth Street in New York. Oh yeah, and he kind of looks off to the side, you know, yeah. and so that's what I was going off uh -huh. with, and so I worked uh -huh. with a. A pretty famous photographer, Don Adkins, uh, to, and you know, and talk with him, and uh, you know, to get this. So that was my concept, and uh, all the other, and uh, you maybe you can show a picture and uh, later with yeah, the, all the other covers uh, were all my concepts, and yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's another so, creative way. I was right, watching right? your videos, yeah. and I really like Bad Habits for the song Bad Habits because you look really cool in it, and it's just it's really well done. So let's show a bit of that video now. All right. Okay. That is really cool. I love that hat you have. You have that total vibe thing going, you know. Yeah. I, Not to mention the music. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny too because uh, when, when I was filming, I was in a really, really bad mood. <laughs> so I, that, uh, no, that's kind of like my acting coach. I would go to classes and say, "I'm sorry, I can't do my scene tonight. I just can't do it. I, you know, I had a bad day at work." And she go use it. Right, and so I guess it fits the tune because it's a kind of a dark tune, you know. Yeah. I mean, the lyrics and stuff, yeah. and that was one of you know how it's like back, you know, the creativity thing is, is some songs t take a long time to come about, and that was one that uh, had been gone through several different permutations and finally, you know, it was finished. You know? And you have a vocalist on that song. Uh, I did, yeah, and so you know, I, again, I can sing. Uh, in in recent years, I, you know, I'm, I'm you know as I meet more and more uh, uh, the other musicians and and singers, it's like. Like, you know, as a, as a composer, sometimes it's like, you know what, I'd, I'd really like the strongest vocal as possible on this. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Casey Purvis, uh, uh, he's got that really kind of uh, strong, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, it sounds like kind of a deep purple vibe, oh, yeah. part of the, the vocals yeah, on that. So, um, so I had him do that vocal yeah. on there. Yeah, so. very cool. Do you have a preference if you like to record or you like to play live? Or are they just two separate? Yeah, the uh, they are different parts of the brain. I, you know, and to say it's like, you know, uh, like saying, with, you know, your favorite kid, you can't say that, right? Because you love them both, right? But uh, <laughs> same, it's it's uh, they're uh, they're different, and um, you know, uh, and both have their challenges too. Mm. You know, mm. when something's not sounding right in the studio, and you know, and uh, you know. Or you can't get the take, or whatever. That's torturous too. And then you know, if you can have a live gig, you know, when no one shows up, or <laughs> you, I can't hear the guitar, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Or but sometimes, but when it's great, and 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 and, and uh, the whole audience, you uh, you know, there's this 
the synergy. So I think that's the thing about the live thing is that is it, it is a, it is a communal thing kind of right when it's when yeah. it's good right because it, it's it's not just about the performer it's this whole uh, almost spiritual thing right with I mean the audience. with the audience right. yeah. yeah I mean that's a, I mean it is I mean it's pretty ancient stuff right music and humans yeah and and gathering together I think mm -hmm. you know and I, I think yeah. that's the thing that you don't get in the studio situation now you get a smaller when you got you know when the band nails a tr track and you listen back. Or, or even like in the mixing, because in, in the recording studio, you have the opportunity of doing things where you go and you add things and you create this thing that's larger than life. And mm -hmm. I love that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, in, in some ways the Beatles were like, you know, uh, really uh, uh, took that to another level. Pink Floyd too, right? Were, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they're like, well, okay, how are we gonna do this live? Uh -huh. You know, <laughs> and some, uh, you know, some did. And I mean, you know, some Beatles songs were never performed live. Because it just wasn't Yeah, doable. like Penny Lane. I don't think they ever performed Penny Lane live. Oh, really? But, you know, I mean, that's a brilliant song. Yeah. You know, listen to it. And, you know, well, like I Am the Walrus. Listening to your yeah. songs, you have layers of yeah. guitar sometimes. And I yep. thought, I had that thought. I thought, how's he going to do that live? <laughs> well, a lot of times when I write things, and this goes back to the classical thing, when you play in classical, uh, uh, and I think that... Um, uh, I forget who that was. That's it was one of the classical composers was talking about the guitar and why they love the guitar. I I, I, I want to say Beethoven or Mozart, but I, we'd have to look it up. Yeah. That the guitar was like an orchestra in itself. Mm. So you've got six strings. You get the low and the high. And so in 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 a in a uh, um, like an arrangement of classical stuff, you've got the bass going on, and you've got the middle in the middle the accompaniment, and at the high you've right. got the melody, right. and you've got harmonies, and you have counterpoint things different, and so. I, I and my composition when I'm coming up with stuff, oftentimes that's how I play on on electric guitars. I've got okay, here's where the bass is going, and then the melody. I mean, that's how I ended up with the instrumental. Is you, your your top line, your melody? It doesn't have to be a vocalist. Uh -huh. But it can be another instrument. It can sure. be a guitar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of times the melody is the highest element in 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 uh, in the stack, right? Okay. And so a lot of times when I write stuff, then uh, I'll, I'll do that. And then when we play live, I'm I'm taking that approach where I'm I'm playing maybe a, a combination of rhythm and lead, or rhythm and melody at the that? same. Yeah. <laughs> and now when it comes to the recording, maybe I'll break break it up. Mm -hmm. And so the the uh, you know the uh, guitars are doing the power chords and they overdub and do the melody separate. Right, right. We well, use yeah. rhythm kind of, kind of in yeah. the background and right. Yeah. And then you, you then you can mix it. So the approach to recording it in the studio could be different than live, right? Yeah, and it's that's just what different. I was and and I think too my my perception on on what live is about has changed too. Is I don't view a live performance as trying to recreate the actual recording identical verbatim, verbatim. Yeah. and and the and the audience if they know your stuff will fill in the blanks anyway. The yeah. brain's interesting like that we way. Like we were talking about Taylor Swift before we started recording today, and how her audience knows every word, every note yeah. of her songs. And she has the production uh, uh, t uh, in the people there to basically recreate it identically. I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that it, that it is uh, identical, right. you know. Um, I, I, I got the chance to see Seal, the Greek, a, a oh, few I months back. And Seal. that was awesome. And he had the original keyboard player and you, there's a lot of layering in his music, and I was mm -hmm. surprised how few people were on stage. But they did—they did it. 
it was like I couldn't believe how great it sounded. It was a, one of the best concerts I have ever really? heard at the Greek. I mean, the sound quality of it, at the you Greek know, theater? at the Greek theater, awesome and the and, and the the original producer Trevor Horn played bass. I mean, it was like the the really? people that were there that made the record were on stage playing the stuff. Oh my god, it was just brilliant, you know. Oh so there, I mean, and that stuff nailed. It sounded like the record. Mm -hmm. Really? <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, I mean, there's a and so I that so when I go see an act, I don't always anticipate that hey, it needs to sound like the record. Yeah, you know, yeah. so. Now, in 2007, you were in a guitar competition. Yeah, I, I hate the word competition when it comes to music, but it was like, a, yeah, it was a contest sponsored by Guitar Player Magazine. Okay. Uh, and they had done it uh, the, pre the previous year, they, I think, called uh, Guitar Hero or Guitar Superstar. Basically, people that are unknown or whatever would send in tapes, and, and they select 10, and then they, they you go in, uh, and they have this a show you know, that pu the public can go to, and each player plays. So wait yeah. a minute, let's back up a minute. Okay. They selected 10. And how many submissions oh, do you think they got? Many. Hundreds, so that thousands. Was an honor just to make the Yeah, exactly. Team, right? Yeah, you won just getting selected for something like this, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, exactly. And so. Not that it was a competition. Yeah. And especially with guitar players, a lot of times it does come across as a competition, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I try to, to not be in that mindset because I don't think it's artistic right. and healthy <laughs> right yeah you know because ultimately it isn't right yeah. i mean just like uh, you know the, like people uh like uh, that are attractive you know there's no like most attractive person there's plenty of it's yeah. like i was saying it, it, you know when you get it, it, at the top of the tree there's lots of leaves right, right? you know whatever uh but they anyway the the context of it was yeah we're going to bring these these guitar uh slingers together and you know let them each play a song and then celebrity judges would then Mm -hmm. select the top three whatever mm -hmm. so they flew everybody to San Francisco uh, oh, to do this thing yeah yeah and you did well and you yeah. have a video of this I do yeah my uh, I forget who shot the video but yeah I mean because back then it was 2007 not everyone had uh, uh, yeah this was done on a on a camcorder right it wasn't on a phone because <laughs> right. phone, phones didn't have uh, video <laughs> Oh, not good video cameras. Right, right, yeah. It's funny to think we take all that for granted now. Right? We do. We you just know? Assume, yeah, hasn't it always been around like that? Right, you yeah. Know? yeah. So we're going to show a clip of that competition where um, Curtis gets really gnarly in this. It's, it's awesome. So uh, let's check that out.
So this is the end of the first part of our show with Curtis. Check back for more.